Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another cursed edition of Ghost Chronicles International. Ever since that picture arrived, strange things have happened on the horizon. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and with me, hopefully, across the sea in the land of the whales is the gold standard in ghost hunting. Yeah, completely curse-free as well. How are you? I'm telling you, that freaking thing is cursed. You wouldn't believe. I was doing the morning show this this morning, uh, this week, and uh, a whole cup of coffee right in my lap. I had to do the whole show. Oh, no. Totally drenched in coffee. Oh, at least it wasn't hot coffee. It was hot coffee. Not after the end of the show, it wasn't. Oh, no, that's for damn sure. (laughs) (laughs) To drive home that way, too, from the studio. Oh, God. And, of course, the, the studio stunk of coffee, so... But anyways, I left it for Roxy because her show was on after mine. So well, I strange mean, things happening. I'm sure Ro- Roxy was very grateful. Mm, very. And anyway, so how are you doing? I'm doing uh, very well after my epic drive all the way from uh, 400 miles to get there and 400 miles to get back to do the... Uh, John Findlay Memorial Lecture at the Kilmarnock Spiritualist Church on uh, Saturday just gone. Was that the, the title of the lecture, John Findlay? No, no, no. Uh, John Findlay is the brother of Arthur Findlay, uh, right. one of the leading lights of, spirit, of the British spiritualist movement. And John Findlay's house, former house in uh, Kilmarnock, which is just outside Glasgow, Scotland, uh, home of the Kilmarnock Spiritualist Church, and uh, where our good friend Stephen Scott is uh, a minister. Uh, and he, uh, along with the church, invited me to give the annual John Findlay Memorial Lecture uh, last which, Saturday. Which, which, is, which is about what? Uh, well, it can be anything I want it to be about. Um, oh, so it's really not a memorial lecture. Uh, well, it's not about him. Uh, in the, they're called memorial lectures over here because they are in the, the, the lecture is about it is sort of uh, um, I don't know uh, yeah but it's not about him yeah see a memorial in the United States would mean that it would be yeah. a uh, something yeah. that would be you know memorialize the person you're talking about well this this was the lecture well it, it remembers the person but the lecture the the content is down to the person presenting the lecture uh-huh. and each year they have a different person and a different sort of i guess theme or take on some aspect of so uh, so once again what was your lecture about uh i chose to look at the state of uh, modern ghost investigation um i also examined the links between spiritualism and uh ghosts ghost hunting because they actually go back quite a long way. Spiritualists, very, I mean... Looking for the rare. same thing, right? Well, no, actually. Well, yeah. Yes and no. Spiritualism... No, yeah, no. <laughs> well, uh, it depends how you define it. Spiritual personality there or what? <laughs> no, spiritualism, as you're aware, is a religion that developed from uh, Pikesville in New York State in the 1840s, spread across this side of the Atlantic. You mean in the United the, States? The, the great... The great seat of uh, spiritualism. Yes, that's what I just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, just re- reaffirming, you know. Yeah, well, let's, we can talk about the failed American Society for Psychical Research in a minute, if you like. No. Couldn't even keep that going. Uh, anyway, um, once spiritualism spread to this side of the Atlantic, of course, um, it it expanded, um, and a there were a number of spiritualist circles or groups or churches who periodically um, and infrequently went off into haunted houses or were called upon to, um, to visit haunted houses to um, see if they could 
lay the ghost or rid the ghost or do what they wanted to do with the ghost. I mean, most notably, for example, Borley, uh, the spiritualist group from the village of uh, the nearby village of Mark's Tay, uh, run by the postmaster of the village, were called upon um, and they went along to Borley Rectory and they held seances and uh, tried to communicate with and lay the ghost of Borley Rectory spiritualists also um, visited Enfield and there are other examples in the 30s 40s, 50s, 60s um, of spiritualists as in separate from mediums so we're talking about the spiritualist church Church, right? not just any old medium wandering in off the street like we have these days Um, (laughs) no comment (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it was a very enjoyable weekend. Made some nice discoveries uh, that relate to um, my talk on uh, that's coming up for Spirit Quest. And, uh, September possi- 27th, 28th, 29th. That's it. Get your tickets, n e let it in, let it e com. Spirit Quest X-Files. Check it out. Yeah, and this year's the uh, – my talk contains some – Undis- uh, un- unknown of previously never been seen before stuff. Yeah. Uh, only because I only found out, found it this weekend. Quite an astonishing set of discoveries, which will I be... I thought you were doing the last witch. <clears throat> which will be of great interest, not only to those participating at Spirit Quest, but also generally to psychical research. Ah, very good. Yeah. Amazing what some people have stuffed away in drawers and envelopes. So you were rummaging through the place as usual. Uh, I didn't need to. They were very, very helpful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was good, good, great, of course, to catch up with of our. Of course, old... you, you did. You didn't find anything as 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 dramatic and as exciting as what you found at the uh, Salvation Army store here in Portsmouth. Uh, actually, in terms of uh, it, it, content for psychical research generally, in a league way above that. Really? That's amazing. I, I, I am still mind blown about it, if I'm honest. Um, well, I'm but, excited to hear all about it, so uh, that's, yeah. that's good. So you have to go to Spirit Quest to find out more. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I have something that weekend. I won't be there. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so like the, you know, like the weekend part... we locked you in the office. Yeah, one of the but, best yeah, spirit quests. It's been done before. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, going to be done again. We had a really good time that year. Yeah, uh, that's not what I hear. You might have had a good time, but I <sighs> know well, you didn't. Everybody else did. <laughs> no, they missed me. Anyway, well, I told them next time just to aim higher <laughs> and a bit to the it's, left. Uh, you brought up a, an interesting point. Uh, you didn't even know it, but you did. And and I find it intriguing, uh, especially myself being a good old Catholic boy, uh, is uh, that the spiritualists went to Borley Rectory to yes, try to did. get rid of a ghost at, mm-hmm. a, at, a, at a basic religion. Yes, they did. Uh, and, the... So, well, let me, let me continue. Is Do you believe now? about this is so to believe to my belief it is that ghosts uh, trust all religions but basically they are not dominated by any uh, you cut out you cut out a little bit there but i got i got the gist See, of the I'm question telling you, it's a curse of the picture <laughs> yeah well i got the gist of it anyway no well of course ghosts transcend all religions and cultures um you know the the cultures of the Far East, the cultures of the Middle East, um, the Eskimo, the Inuit, uh, the Aborigines, they all report ghosts. Uh, and what's, what's, very, uh, what's most intriguing of all is, of course, these disparate cultures, the Aborigines. Uh, I don't think the Aborigines and the Inuit ever sort of uh, had sort of parties together um, or swapped ghost stories. And yet their, their accounts are remarkably similar. Uh, how they describe the ghost experience, the apparition appearing uh, to them, it, it, they're all remarkably similar. And those those similarities don't just transcend cultures. So you don't just have it with the Inuit and the Aborigine. 
or the Polynesian Islander. You also have it um, with the ancient Sumerian, the ancient Greek, the modern day hairdresser. Um, the, the actual individual experiences are remarkably similar. And that's really quite fascinating. Although, I mean, humanity, we're talking a period of two and a half, three thousand years um, that we've got documented history for. And the indiv- as, as, a, as people, we haven't really developed much. Um, you know, we haven't evolved. We haven't grown an extra brain or an extra arm or an extra leg, however useful that would be. Um, but so it could be argued and it is argued by psychologists well of course the experiences are similar because the people having the experiences regardless of their culture are similar Um, but one would expect uh, that the cultural beliefs would strongly influence the nature of the actual experience itself although if if the experience was more physiological so perhaps uh, related to the environment, related to some external factor, then there would be, and one would expect there to be some similarities, some strong similarities. But it is intriguing yeah, that, can... that, you know, spiritualists... I mean, if you look at the formation of the uh, SPR, um, for the first 20-something years of its existence, it worked very, very closely with the spiritualist movement. Harry Price, uh, his National Laboratory for Psychical Research, was actually established on the top floor of a Queensbury uh, place, Queensbury Avenue in London, uh, which, was, which he leased from the Spiritualist Alliance, the London Spiritualist Alliance. They gave him the, the, you know, the floor of the building, which he used for basically debunking psychics and mediums often uh, although he did also uh, come out in favor of them on a number of occasions so why do you think they did that steve i mean it, there was no no competitiveness there's no uh, were, were they looking for answers uh, i think both sides are looking for answers they still are looking for answers there's more of an acceptance in the spiritualist movement um However, I don't think in those in those early days there was very little uh, to differentiate uh, the the hunt, if you like. Um, it was only later, with the likes of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and his sort of uh, literary rampages against price debunking mediums, and there were other instances too within where with other members of the SPR, Harrowwood Carrington. Um, and others who came down strongly against spiritualism. Uh, the spiritualist movement then uh, rode away and put blue water between itself and the psychical researchers. But that was only an official line. Um, independently, uh, the, there were many people, there were many survivalists, uh, those inclined towards a spiritualist belief, who worked uh, um, with the SPR and were part of the SPR. Uh, many of the officers and uh, members of the committees and councils of the SPR were, con- were confirmed spiritists. So um, th- there, was no, there was no real uh, problem. And there hasn't been a real problem except at an official level. Yeah, where one committee disagrees with another. Um, uh, yeah, let's let's go between <coughs> the little feud between uh, you know uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and uh, you know, for instance, Houdini and uh, and uh, and um, Harry Price as well. If well, I mean, to call it a feud is it's not really accurate. It's uh, because alternate alternately, when when Harry Price came out with the results of his examination of the medium Stella C. Um, Conan Doyle was very quick to write congratulating Price on a job well done. Uh, when Harry debunked the crew circle um, and, and or exposed other mediums, Conan Doyle was very quick to pick up the pen and say to Price to call him out on it. Um, it, it was it was kind of a love hate relationship. The two jet the two corresponded quite quite frequently. Um, and they often agreed, and they often disagreed. So it was a, a, a fairly normal relationship of two people who have slightly different uh, views on the subject. 
much like you, we have people who are f- in favour of Brexit or are against Brexit or Republicans and Democrats. At a personal level, they can still be good friends, but they might disagree strongly on on uh, political or their religious uh, views and opinions. So there was no, there was never a feud as such between Doyle and Price or Doyle and Houdini or Price and Houdini. Uh, strongly worded letters were often exchanged. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing in period especially is that you know we are in the age of the internet and trans. Uh, well, I'd say the Concord, but the Concord didn't fly anymore. Is that pretty much history? It's pretty much gone. Been yeah, gone that's for a sh- far too long. Oh well, that's too sad. But anyways. Uh, common for some of these researchers to cross the ocean to come to the United States or Canada to look and see what's going on here. For instance, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Thomas Glennon Hamilton, who was a a researcher in Canada, uh, used to, uh, I believe, Arthur Conan Doyle went to his seances as well, or was that Arthur Finlay? I think it was Arthur Conan Doyle attended some of them. So it to me, that's an intriguing in itself that they would travel easy at that time. Well, they didn't really have much choice. Um, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have Skype. You know, the only way that they could uh, they could obviously correspond by letter or mm-hmm. by telegram. Um, but what they couldn't do is uh, send each other videos. So, for example, when Harrowwood Carrington or Nanda Fodor or other members of um, uh, different so- of the of the Society for Psychical Research or its American counterpart, the American Society for Psychical Research, uh, they would get on a steamer and sail across the Atlantic. Um, and then they would spend several weeks or se- more often several months, uh, because obviously if you're going that far, you might as well make it worth your while, um, taking in or visiting uh, other re- fellow researchers um, in the in the other country. Uh, Harry Price spent a great deal of time traveling, particularly in Germany and some other European cities uh, in the 1930s and corresponded uh, regularly with uh, German psychical researchers. In fact, he, he at one point he tried to offer his entire library and collection to um, a German university. That was we were fortunate that uh, in, in, in regards of World War Two and the Nazis were taking power in Germany and the whole thing fell apart, meaning that the collection now resides in Great Britain. But Price always, you know, Germany and France had strong psychical research or metaphysical research uh, going on uh, from the earliest days of the, tw- of the 20th century. And Price was very much in contact with his counterparts like Baron Schrenk-Notzing and others in Germany um, and indeed across Europe. And Price would also, uh, whilst he was over here, uh, he would go on book buying sprees and often send you know, cases full of books back. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, travel then, it was a necessity. They, they didn't think of it as a difficulty and plus they didn't have to key for three hours at security check-ins and stand there and just <laughs> Stand there in just a boxer shorts whilst they're fr- frisked down by a, an obnoxious TSA agent. Mm. Welcome to America. That's it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, same I mean, on your side of the. Uh, well, we have strict security. It's not quite as uh, rigidly applied as the TSA. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, anyway, yeah, well, I was always been amazed at those early days. It, it, it must have been a, a fan, fascinating time to be a, a researcher. It, whereas today, it, it, it doesn't have that same same uh, uh, luster. Uh, you know, it's it, we have the Rhine, but you, you barely hear anything about it. You have the SPR, but once again, you barely hear anything about it. it, it all you hear is the, what's on TV. And, uh, well, I'll, be on, I'll, be, I'll be honest. Uh, back in the day, um, you probably, the general population were probably equally unaware of the activities of the SPR, the ASPR, um, as much as the general public are today. Um, the reason really? being is, well, I mean, 
ghosts have always sold copy um, and have always been uh, good for books and good for newspapers. And that's still, I mean, that was the case. That was true right throughout the 20th century and earlier. And it's still true today. Uh, the general public love to read a ghost story. Ghosts, ghosts make good copies. So, uh, so, um, but the actual day-to-day grind of uh, research was very little known about by the sort of mass population. Uh, we probably know more about the workings of or the research that was carried out by Shrink Nocting or Fodor or the f- hundreds of other researchers who were active in the early part of the 20th century. Uh, than the people who were sort of going about their day-to-day business then. And, of course, there were far, far fewer ghost hunters. You know, the number of people who would call themselves a ghost investigator or a ghost hunter, you could probably put them into one room uh, for the first 50 years of the 20th century. There was, you know, and they didn't really investigate in the way that we would consider an investigation today. I would consider that what they did is an even better form of investigation in that they just went along and they just sat there and waited to see what took place. Um, they did, did measurements were done periodically, recordings were made, temperatures were taken. But in the main, it was about personal observation because they lacked the technical uh, equipment that we have or they lacked or, or where they did have it. It was horrendously expensive price, of course, did have a, an extensive range of equipment that he could deploy. Right. But the general investigator um, would just go along and sit there and see yeah. what happened. Indeed, yeah, and we're coming up on the break, but uh, uh, I want to talk, you know, the use of mediums and ghost hunting, uh, how it was looked at then versus now, and and also I want to touch a little bit about our investigation at the theater as well, and uh, we'll talk about that anyways after the break, but... uh, you know, it's it's intriguing all this early early investigation. Like I said, I, I wish I think I missed my time period, and I, I wish I was around at that time. Um, no, you but know, then you wouldn't was, have had the K twos and the. Um... I know, I know, but that's. Fairness. I mean, yeah, I love my gadgets. You know that. I love all the cute little toys. Yeah, you wouldn't have had them back then. But discovering and and understanding it would be. You know, the, the cool thing. But anyways, we are on the break, so we do have to take a break now. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International right here on Tojanet and Parrax Radio with uh, the Reverend Steve Parson and the most honorable Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet. We'll be right back. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Mysterious and spooky, they all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parax family. By the magic of the internet and fiber optic cable is Ghost Chronicles International Part 2. 
Haunted Edition, right? Your Haunted Edition? Okay. Yes. Your case. Cursed. We're doing just fine here in the UK. After yeah, all, it, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, right. You have a new prime minister? Yes, we do. Okay. You have a new president. Need I say any more? Okay, so moving right along. Um, Are you a fan of your president? We talked about, uh, uh, just before the break, I, I wanted to bring up uh, the use of mediums in investigations. And uh, in the early days, they seemed to be more open to use mediums investigations is that correct steve i would say the opposite is the case um in the early in the early part as, as we start at the start of the show um the, the appearance of mediums in haunted houses was actually quite a rare phenomena it did okay. happen it did happen from time to time as i've said before um it, it certainly wasn't unknown but it wasn't it wasn't the norm uh the early it ghost- was a look looked down upon no, no, no. Uh, they just didn't need just to didn't go and look for... Well, they just didn't do it. I mean, they were communicating with spirits in the sounds room or uh, within the church through through the mediums. They didn't need to test this idea that the uh, the dead walked down corridors in buildings or anything like that. Um, so they just didn't appear unless, you know, as I said, periodically, rarely, they, they, they were called upon. Um, the ghost hunters, as, we've, as I've already mentioned tended to operate alone and by going to a haunted place and just being there mm-hmm. and then write up their experiences later. Um, right. The, nowadays, I mean, since uh, the situation really changed uh, around the turn of the century in 2000 uh, with the, the appearance on television of Derek Akora and other mediums because it was, when making a television show, they the the, the uh, production company couldn't rely solely on people just sitting there going you know waiting for a, a light to flash or or, or hope stone to, to be thrown or hoping for a, well none of that happened in the very early days um, or waiting for a ghost to appear on camera and so they brought in a medium because the medium could and would be expected to say i'm sensing this i'm seeing that i'm perceiving this they're talking to me they're saying this mm-hmm. so the so the medium was brought in because the show needed you know uh, action and continuity and something happening to keep the viewers hooked uh, that then became really the norm uh, prior to 2000 um you know on the hundreds of ghost hunts have been on prior to 2000 uh the, first of all, the number of groups was very much smaller. But secondly, you almost never saw a psychic. Exactly. I mean, I, and, and oh, in fairness, I kind of broke that ground around here in, in the U.S. Uh, uh, and it took some criticism for it because I did include me. Um, I didn't use the medium as the focal point of the investigation, but as another tool. And, uh, in fact, my talk at the Ocean State Paragraph, I, I met, uh, you know, that was mentioned uh back in the day and still some groups today think that if you use a medium you're not scientific whatever that is so uh you know that's that's a relatively recent thing that this sort of anti-medium movement that's happened by some groups who are i think they think themselves a little bit above everybody else if i'm honest uh because there is there is a you know a long and established history of psychics helping psychical researchers right try to understand uh haunted houses i think one of the the pioneers um certainly in the portrayal and the use of psychics in haunted houses one of the two pioneers uh there was an american parapsychologist called gertrude schmeidler mm-hmm. uh, who in the 60s and 70s was using uh, psychic sensitives at haunted locations and then of course our our friend lloyd auerbach uh, who on a, a series of television documentaries um repeated his his own experiments of taking psychics and mediums into haunted houses to see um if what you know what correlation see if the information that they could supply could go some way towards cracking or assisting with the investigation 
but, right, but, but you had, you even had shows earlier like uh, In Search of and uh, what some of the other ones they had. But they would they would have mediums come in every so often. Mm-hmm. They, that would be part of their thing. There are, were other shows I can't. They run. But yeah, I but I, I mean, I ruled out. I ruled out. I'm, I was expecting. This, talking about the specifically non-television ones because oh, okay. television does have a different raison d'etre. Uh, right. you know, its primary is to entertain and it has to have something happen. Right. Uh, and mediums are a good way of ensuring that at least somebody will say something or experience something, even if it's only the medium. Now, of course, a lot of ghost groups formed in the early 2000s as a result of what took place on television. Um, they saw what was happening and they emulated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they included mediums, psychic sensitives, a lot of a lot. Well, of there was that actually. No, that was the, in the United States. It was it was the opposite. It was a pushback. It was the the ghost hunters debunking. Uh, there mediums were not used. Uh, Maybe in the UK because of Most Haunted and Derek Okora and David Wells. Mm -hmm. But here in the US, there was a pushback. It was uh, debunking everything. Uh, You know, almost almost a philosophy that ghosts really didn't exist, yet we're going to go out and try to scare you anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly in the UK, we we saw a large increase, first of all, in the number of groups. Um, And and also, um, at exactly the same time, Many of those groups included a resident psychic or a resident medium. Resident skeptic? Uh, no, they're never included. Uh, <laughs> and you also had uh, many cases, and that's still true today, of groups who are psychic-led, in that the lead investigators and the uh, CEO of the paranormal group themselves claim to be psychic or sensitive. Right, right. I mean, there uh, are other groups like there's. I know of a Baptist group that when they they were ghost hunters, but they were they really weren't because they didn't believe in ghosts, so they were demon hunters. They believed that <laughs> when you died, you went to heaven or hell. But they no, but seriously, they conducted a ghost hunt, is what we we would call a ghost hunt. But if they found anything, it had to be demons because of their religious beliefs that that only demons could be here because when you died, you either went to heaven or hell. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on, the, the, you know, something like that. There was their own religious philosophy. In, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and, of course, it was intriguing enough for them to go out and do it. That That's kind of cool, actually. Um, well, is it intriguing or do they – you see, the, the problem with ghost hunting um, is that forever it, – it, it has been cool forever. That's why Harry Price's books were so popular. That's why uh, Hubert Thurston and others were best-selling authors back in the in the in the twentieth century, the early part of the twentieth century, because people love a good ghost story. Um, sure. And ghost hunting or ghost hunters were always held. Um, they they always had the cool factor. Peter Underwood and Andrew Green, you know, these guys always had the cool factor. Um, but people were quite content to read about their exploits in various stately homes. They never really appreciated uh, that they too could get involved until they saw on television this disparate group of hairdressers, television <laughs> presenters, uh, makeup artists, cameramen, uh, just going off and doing it. And they said, well, hey, if they can do it, we can do it too. And that's where we get this explosion of, because it was a very, it was always cool. You know, from the 19th century, it was considered cool. Uh, by by 2000, people realized that, hey, look, they're only using a Sony night vision camera. They're only using a basic thermometer. They're only using an EMF meter. We can get this stuff and we can do it too. And so, like with every other thing that collecting bottle tops or bits of space rocket or bugs people start to form groups and um, they go off and do it themselves true true yeah it's it's a, it's in a fascinating field we're in unfortunately you know there's so many people involved in it now and I'm really not sure you know where it's going. Uh, well, the stats are interesting. Uh, in the UK, we have now around about 
900 to 1,000 groups that are known about, uh, around about 12 to 15,000 people uh, who are members of those groups. Um, and the figures for the U.S. are obviously larger. Right. Um, we know of around 3,000 groups in the U.S., um, and that would equate to around 50,000 people um, who are, you know, paranormal investigators of one sort or another. And that doesn't include the Bigfooters and the ufologists and all of the others. Right. Uh, so it really is. It's actually, you know, we think of it as, a, as quite a big thing because obviously our social media feeds are biased towards reading about those sorts of, sort of things. But in the grand scheme of things, 50,000, 60,000 people in the population of the U.S., it's very small potatoes. Right. Um, you know, it, it really is small potatoes. But it's still, you can see the change. I know even around here, for instance, when I first started doing it, and I mentioned that I was a ghost hunter, that people say, oh, wow, you know, there was like uh, an awe to it about it almost. Uh-huh, because, uh-huh. But nowadays you mentioned, oh, yeah, I'm a ghost hunter. And they say, well, my cousin's sister is a ghost in a group. Uh, my brother's in a group. You know, it's like there's, it my they, they, the they know somebody. What's yeah, that? My, dog, my dog's in a group. And... Yes, your dog's in a group. There are there are groups that I mean, now use dogs too. By the way, <laughs> yes, there are. Well, that's been a, yeah, that's been around for a good dozen years or so. But I mean, you look at the sort of nature of the ghost hunter uh, in the uh, in the twentieth century. They tended to be um, of the. I don't want to. There is no elitism here, but they tended to be of the educated classes. Uh, the white-collar workers or, or the, um, I mean, look at Harry Price, uh, Peter Underwood. These were people who could afford to sustain these um, hobbies. These were people of quite uh, quite well, you know, well-off means. Um, they often moved in circles uh, or with people who had stately homes and manor houses and castles uh, but nowadays, pretty much anybody, um, if you look at the sort of spectrum of occupations of people who call themselves ghost investigators, um, you know, from builders, uh, plumbers, obviously, um, <laughs> laborers, doctors, lawyers, uh, pet, uh, pet, several pet groomers, hairdressers. You look at the sort of uh, range of day occupations of these people, right? and it, it, it does sort of span the um, you know the broadest range of society. It does. And is that a bad thing, or are we getting uh, are we getting well, uh, results from different yeah. views? Well, okay, I think that's a double-edged sword. Um, in, in some ways, it's a very good thing because the, the broader the range of individuals who are examining the subject, the broader the range of opinions and um, potentially the greater the range of theories that are testable and ideas uh, and notions that are testable. Because people have, you know, you've got a huge range of different life experiences uh, being, brought to, being brought to bear. Uh, and not just life experiences, but work skills. So you have people who are skilled in electronics or photography or, or, or medicine or whatever else. However, the, 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 the counter to that, um, if you like, is that the early ghost hunters were of a class of individuals who were often more had had a, a greater degree of education and were therefore more used to writing lengthy reports or considering things in greater depth um, and so you had often more measured reports than than the current sort of trend also so, you've got to bear in mind that social media and the change in societal uh, needs has, 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 ra- has dramatically changed the way in which ghost hunting has taken place in the last 20 years. You know, the, when parascience was formed, long before, well, almost before the internet, mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't have social media. So the only report we would write would be a typewritten report for the clients. 
Oh yeah. Um, we there was no compulsion on us to stick anything on YouTube or Facebook or compete with any other group uh, to be the first one, you know, to have a, a report published the next morning or a. So we were we were given the luxury of just getting on with it, without having to say anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. Now, I, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, well, you were talking. I just uh, went on and googled. Uh, a number of U.S. goats groups in the United States. And according to ParanormalSocieties.com, the listing now has 4,606 paranormal societies in the U.S. Uh-huh. Well, I said that the number I worked on was uh, between three and 4,000. I went for the lower one because well, it was just a figure that we were working on from last year. Um, yeah. those, those, those numbers are often... Um, even trying to get the UK one, we can only get it down between 900 and 1100. So uh, I have to last that they show only 66 in in England. Oh really? Yeah, we can. Yeah. We we've got a lot more than that. I think you do. Um, I think there's more than 66 in Wales, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, what tends to happen is two or three people will bond together and they'll form a group. Um, then it, they'll they'll gain some additional members. Then the the group will there will be some factioning, uh, which ultimately leads to a splitting, mm-hmm. and then you have two groups. Um, those those groups then recruit, and then down the line, uh, and you see this all the time, particularly in the UK. One group will will spawn perhaps four or five groups ultimately, um, as you know, sort of individuals. Because any group of people, you you often end up with factions starting to. Yeah, I just I, I just a little side note. It shows ninety nine groups in the United States. Oh. And, I mean, excuse me, ninety nine groups in Massachusetts. Oh right. And, and oddly enough, New England Ghost Project isn't listed there. Hmm, isn't that strange, huh? Well, you see, you see the accuracy of those lists. That's no, the Berkshire Paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> well, how we did ours for um, for some SP- for an SPR paper was physically went onto the internet and physically counted them, so not relied on anybody else. Just went through and you know individually found them, um, and if they had an active Facebook page or an active uh, internet page, and mm-hmm. by active I mean something that had been updated within the last thirty days. Then they were given, they were counted. If they uh, appeared but they were inactive, then they weren't counted, and that's why you can't be sure about the numbers. Yeah, I'm sure, sure, whatever. <laughs> so strange. Yeah, but I mean, the numbers are generally accurate. I mean, you could say with a a fair degree of certainty that if you if you collected together, oh, what's the, what's the uh, capacity of the Red Sox stadium? Fenway Park. Oh, I haven't a clue right now. Well, I'll, I'll wager that if you look down the numbers, if you divide the numbers up uh, of group members in the USA, they could probably all fit into Fenway Park. Um, but that's that's a lot smaller than the total number of people who go ghost hunting as uh, an entertainment. Um, you know, for example, and you and I have both participated in public events where the team might comprise. 10% or 20% of the of the total um, you know the other the other 80% of the total uh, are people going for a one off spooky night out so right. the actual numbers of people who go on ghost hunts it's is much very it's very much higher right. uh, the numbers i gave before of approximately 60,000 in the us approximately 12,000 in the uk are people who have an active membership of one of the active paranormal groups. Because the general group size is around about 8 to 12 people. Um, now, that doesn't include associates and affiliates and friends of, because they generally don't go and do very much. They just join anything and everything. You know, I'm talking about the core members, the, the active members of each group. It tends to be between about 10 and 12. Right. Um, and I think that holds true for most groups. Mm-hmm. It's, it sounds about right in what I understand. Yeah. And so, anyways, 
It's an intriguing topic. Uh, it's still interesting. Pete, the, the interest is still there. Uh, the shows it is, are... but actually the interest in ghosts is starting to wane. Really? Yes, it is. Uh, some very recent re- uh, data that's starting to uh, come out. It's, it's not really fully collect, uh, correlated yet, so it's still more anecdotal. Um, suggests that I, I, um, there has been a movement away from ghosts in the last... 18 months uh, to uh, the last year in favor of a renewed interest in UFOs. UFOs, yes, bring back the UFOs. The UFO is starting to make a comeback, and you're starting to see for the first time a growth, a regrowth of uh, UFO groups and uh, uh, groups that are interested in UFO-related phenomena mm-hmm. uh, and a decrease in the number of ghost-related which is only to be expected, because at some point, ultimately, um, people will start to say, well, you know, I've explored it, there's nothing in it, and they will move away. Um, or follow a different line of, well, you know, I looked for ghosts, there was nothing there, but there's some really cool UFO research that I'm really getting into, and they'll, they'll move, or their, their, their interest will start to switch across. And, so and, once a, and some of that's driven, too, by television. Once again, oh, of course. we have the ancient aliens that are out uh-huh. here, yeah. uh, UFO evidence uncovered, uh, UFO unexplained. Uh, you know, it, it, we have quite a few was, shows here dealing with it. Well, you, you, would, you, you could argue it two ways. You could argue that um, the media is, um, is, ch- is causing this, this change. Or you could argue that the media is reflecting the renewed interest in ufology. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and both, both arguments would actually be correct. Yeah. Um, you know, there is, there is nothing to say that the media have, have led either. Um, or, uh, you know, the, the media often will, will just reflect society's interests. Right. So, uh, but there has, there has been in the last uh, one to two years a noticeable movement away from ghosts into other areas, mostly UFO-related, but other areas of the paranormal too. Conspiracy theories are very uh, sort of in vogue at the moment, as are certain types of cryptozoology, mm-hmm. uh, much more so than they have been for the past decade. Right. So uh, and things, about, are, things they are changing. Yeah, speaking, speaking about said. changing things, I, I do want to mention before our show ends that uh, next week we will be going uh, Bigfoot hunting. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, I met a gentleman at the Ocean State Paracon. Now, he's not a professional. He, he just does this uh, as, as um, an interest, but... They have expeditions you can go on and search for old Sasquatch or Bigfoot or whatever you want to call a hairy thing. Ewok? Um, Ewok or a... Ch- uh, as I understand it, they've actually been around for quite a while uh, in one form or another. In certain states of the U.S., um, there have always been sort of... Uh, minibus trips. Or, uh, yeah. So we'll hear more about it next week. We won't go into really cool. this week. Yeah. No, no, don't spoil it. We don't want to give a spoiler away. Yeah, uh, but I just want to put that little tease out there. Next week we were looking Ooh. into old Bigfoot to see if uh, he's still hanging around. Uh, well, yeah. might he, are we going to get a fur sample? No, uh, we're going to get a, uh, a uh, another kind of sample. Okay. <laughs> Sound some. Yeah. Uh, some, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> Not Something scat. Like, scat sample, yep, that works. <laughs> no Anyways, well, I'm sure he'll tell us a little bit, a lot more about it, because in, in all fairness, I, I don't know a lot about uh, uh, Sasquatch research, what they're doing, uh, what yeah, they're up to, and I'm kind of intrigued. Uh, as well. I want to see how it differs from, for instance, ghost hunting and stuff. So, well, tune in next week. We'll talk much more about it. But I just want to get that tease out there. So, anyways, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Steve will be coming over here early in the show. I mentioned that uh, he will be here in September, right? Uh, yeah, September 25th, 26th, 27th, uh, onwards. Just about two months. Uh, yeah, actually, less. Yeah. Like seven so, weeks? 
Yeah, so uh, you'll be here. You'll be here for Spirit Quest, uh, and you'll be doing other events as well. And uh, yeah, which I'm busy preparing for. Glad to see you again, and uh, you know we've got the uh, beach house all warmed up. And uh, I hope it was warmer than last year. <laughs> I can't promise that. <laughs> you fixed the weather. Last year it was terrible. Yeah, wasn't it really? Yes, it wasn't good last year. Do you remember the boat trip? Oh, the gondola. <laughs> <laughs> you know, For those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, we, we rest out in an icebreaker. <laughs> yeah, we, we we decided to do this this little event. Uh, uh, we rented the uh, gondola, which is a low draft river craft. The the big ships would come into port and unload their cargo, and they would go on these gondolas and go up river and deliver them to wherever they had to go. So we came up with this great idea. To do uh, a little cruise, and uh, yeah, and it quite didn't work out too well since well, it was no, like... No, let's, no, let's be absolutely fair. The trip itself was really good fun. Oh, it was. Um, blast. Most everybody, it was, an absolute, it was an absolute blast. Everybody had a really good time. What we hadn't taken into account is it was, a, it was Arctic conditions. Yeah, it was flat, froze. It was flat right. calm. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a problem because the gondola is sail-powered, uh, but it was freezing cold, and we all had to... Uh, I, I don't know how long did it take us in DD to thaw out with hot chocolate afterwards. Yeah, hot chocolate. I think we cleaned out the uh, hot chocolate. And, and but the trip stuff. itself was... An, I, I would yes, do everybody it had a great time, you know. Yeah, I, I, I would go right. again in a heartbeat. It was such a good trip. Yeah, they froze, you know, froze. They were all bundled up, but they, they listened to the stories. They took part in the, the, the raising. Well, the thing of the is, they were cleverer than us because they'd all, for the most part, they all had warm clothes on. It was us. Yeah. It was us that had turned up in the summer wear. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, you know, we you were ones that Yeah. But anyways, uh, check out the website, nghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. And keep also an eye- under ice cold ghost hunting. Yes, learn to ghost hunt in long underwear. So <laughs> that, Maybe that'll be the next one, ghost hunting in long underwear. I think we should stick to uh, land-based adventures this year. Yeah, land-based, there you go. Maybe, yeah. Well, I, we could go up in a plane. Ghost we could hunting. do that. We could do that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Anyways, I was going to talk a little bit about our investigation at the theater, but we'll let that go for another time. Uh, well, it, it, it's right out of time. So anyways, uh, it's time to wrap it up. Anything you'd like to add? No. Um, I'll be at the, the next thing for me is early September with the ASAP conference. Uh, so lots of preparation for that and uh, the upcoming American visit. There you go. So till next time uh, when we talk about Bigfoot, Tune in next Tuesday uh, with Steve and I and uh, special guest Stephen for we we go bigfooting. Good night. God bless. Good night. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.